0: grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of Matthew, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a story about uh, two men who were shipwrecked near an island once, and when they landed ashore, one of them began screaming and yelling, We're gonna die! We're gonna die! There's no food! There's no water! We're gonna die! The second man leaned calmly against a palm tree. When the first man saw his friend and how calm he was, he said, Don't you understand that we're going to die? Undisturbed, the second man replied, You don't understand. You see, I make $100,000 a week. Dumbfounded, the first man looked at him and asked, What difference does that make? We're on an island and there's no food, no water. We're going to die. The second man answered, you don't understand. I make $100,000 a week and I tithe 10% of that $100,000 a week. Wherever I am, my pastor will be sure to find me. This joke can reflect the the negative view that many people have about stewardship. That it's about money and that all the church cares about is our money. Some people also have the view that it is not necessary to give. The other view is that it is our money. Funny how we call it our money money. We talked last week that a steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs, one who administers anything as an agent of another or others. When we talk about being stewards, we talk about being managers, managers of all that God has given to us. So when we talk about money, the truth is it's not our money. Everything that we have belongs to God. Stewardship, then, is managing or utilizing all that God has entrusted to us. And managing and utilizing it according to God's word and for his glory. Yes, it includes money. But it also has to do with how we spend our time. What we do with the gifts, the talents, the abilities that God has given to us, that he has blessed us with. That's why you hear us talk about time and talents and treasures when we refer to stewardship. God has given us everything that we need to support this body and life. And the only way that we're able to come to a point of being good stewards of all that God has given to us, is by faith. Faith that understands that everything is a gift from God. Faith that understands why Jesus had to die on the cross for us. Faith that understands that we do have a calling to live out our lives faithfully to God. To be obedient to him and his word. To produce fruit. To produce fruit in keeping with repentance. We can only do this by faith. And faith is a gift from God given to us by the Holy Spirit. We're reminded of this again when we look at the explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed. It says this, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. The Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth. That sanctifies part is where the Holy Spirit calls us to faith. And helps us lead a God pleasing life where we produce. Produce what? Where we produce fruit. What kind of fruit? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. We bear fruit. Or as you heard with the children this morning, we bear wool. We produce wool. Jesus lived out his life perfectly, producing fruit, producing wool. Yet he was often questioned on why and what and how he was doing what he was doing. In the gospel reading for today, you heard Jesus was talking to some chief priests and elders of the people. They asked him about his authority and where it came from. And Jesus responded with a question concerning the source of where John's authority to baptize came from, from man or from heaven. When they talked amongst themselves and, and finally responded, they said We don't know. Jesus then answered with this his own statement, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Jesus was constantly challenged because of what he was doing. And he was simply just doing the will of his Father, producing wool in accordance with his responsibility as the Son of God, who would give his life as a ransom for all people. Jesus gave his life so that he would not have to live his life alone. Think about that. Jesus gave his life so that he would not have to live his life alone. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, produced salvation to earn eternal life for the world. Sure, Jesus would be fine living his entire life and eternity with just the Father and the Holy Spirit. But he wanted us to share eternity with him. Why? Because he loves us. And because God does not care just about our earthly needs. He cares about our spiritual needs as well. He cares about our heavenly needs, our eternal needs. Earning forgiveness of sins for our salvation was Christ's wool. Now, sometimes you in your lives might not feel like producing wool, producing fruit. Yesterday we were talking with our kids and and one of them one of them asked us what the word lazy meant Sheep are sometimes seen as lazy because they eat they lay down they sleep They don't do anything Sometimes you might feel like feeding yourselves and then just lying down and doing nothing in essence being lazy Jesus continued to speak to the church leaders using a parable about two sons. Both were told to go and work in their father's vineyard. One said no, but later on he went and worked. The other said yes, he would, but he did not go. The question of Jesus to the leaders challenged which of the two did what his father wanted? They responded, the first. Jesus went on to tell them that the tax collectors, the prostitutes, would enter the kingdom of God ahead of them because they were told the way of righteousness and believed, while the leaders did not repent and did not believe. Repentance and belief. Both things done by the Holy Spirit. And this is how we are able to produce woe for the Lord. In repentance and believing. Recognizing that that one is not producing wool with a good and clear diet is part of our understanding. Because poor wool comes when the sheep do not receive good food and moving water. In the word of God, coming through the Bible, through the waters of baptism, through the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Jesus Christ in communion, One receives the nourishment and hydration needed in order to produce good wool. Those who produce poor wool do so because they are not in the word and the sacraments. Those who have their priorities straight by the power of the Holy Spirit and are involved in the word and in the sacraments are having what it takes to be successful in producing good wool wool. Jesus led his disciples to think about him as the Messiah and the necessity for them to produce good fruit, to produce good wool. Jesus told them about a parable of a landowner who planted a vineyard that he rented to some farmers while he went away on a journey. At harvest time, he sent his servants to collect his produce, but the tenants killed one servant Then all the others who were sent afterwards. Finally, this owner sent his son, but they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Jesus asked the chief priests and elders, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Then Jesus tells them, about the stone that the builders rejected that has become the cornerstone. That is, just like the owner's son, Jesus noted that he would be rejected. And then he said to them, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Jesus closed this idea with the thought that if someone falls on this stone, he will be broken to pieces, or the one on whom it falls will be crushed. The one who does not see Christ, who does not believe in him, will have God's wrath and anger fall on him and crush or make useless their lives, and they will die. Jesus does not give any room for a believer who is not producing fruit, not producing wool. No room exists in the heavenly kingdom for a sheep that's not producing wool. Rather, since production is to be the inherent nature of a believer. The believer is responsible under the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the lives of those who yearn for God, but do not know him. God wants his people to produce that which is pleasing in his sight. I have a friend who told me this story, so I'm going to put it in first person. These are his words, not mine. He said, I remember growing up in a household where my parents never gave money to the church, and their justification was that they did not have a great deal of money. My parents grew up during the Depression, and they thought it important to save money just in case another Depression came. I remember when the priest would give his annual sermon on tithing, and my parents would become disgusted because the priest asked for money, and that's all the church wanted. I grew up believing that not giving monetarily was okay because the church did not need money for ministry. I guess I never thought, how could ministry be carried out without financial support? I know my parents loved the Lord, but they thought their security would come from a larger bank account. Their experience with the Depression overwhelmed their obedience to God's. The church still helped our family out on two occasions when my father was laid off from work with food and clothing. My spiritual life grew and I realized the importance of ministry in spreading the gospel throughout the world and that I understand the value and need for financial support. It is rather ironic that my parents, who never gave to the church, fought constantly over money and there was never peace in our home. My family, including my sons, do tithe, and we have a great deal of love and peace in our lives, and God has given us a joyful life. I'm not speaking about financial prosperity, but rather a spiritual one that leads to peace, joy, and happiness. God does not need our money. If he can create the universe and everything in it, he could easily just make money himself. What he wants from people, from his children, is he wants their obedience. And it's through their obedience that they produce good fruit, produce wool. Stewardship is a way of expressing that obedience to God's word and out of love for all that he has done for us. Think about what fruit or what wool you are producing in your life. First, you need to be sure that you are producing fruit or wool in general. Second, by God's grace, making that wool the best that it can be. Third, we thank God that we can actually produce wool. And fourth, consider that tithing pleases the Lord. This is one way that we can produce fruit, produce wool. The Lord requested in the Old Testament not ordered, to give 10% of your income to him. You'll likely find that those who tithe know that their gifts support the Christian church and its ministries, and that those in service are using that support to proclaim the gospel to the world. Now, I can get specific with you today, right? I can tell you and invite you, all of you, to give 10% of your income to the Lord if you're not doing so now. I can challenge you to trust God's word throughout these tough times when there is uncertainty in your life. Now, the amount of money based on your income may be small, but if given with a cheerful heart, it is pleasing to the Lord. As we heard last week from Paul, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. I want each of you to produce the best fruit, the best wool for God, for his church, for his people. But it's not easy. It's tough. We think that what we have is ours and not God's. We're lazy. Or as long as maybe we're better than one other person, what we're doing is good enough. That's because we're sinners. We're selfish sinners, worthy of having the cornerstone fall on us. And that's why Jesus came, to die for our selfishness, to bring us from death to life, to take us out of the depths of hell and lead us to eternal life, to heaven. Not to fall on us and crush us, but to be the foundation, the cornerstone of our life. Jesus gave us his all to serve his people, to work in each and every one of us, so that we can give in response to his love with joy in our hearts because of his incredible love for us. Amen.